Hey everybody, welcome to the Bow Hunting Soul Podcast. My name is Emmer Orrick, thank you for joining me again. Uh, this week, I am solo, um, and today we're actually going to be talking about muzzle loaders. Uh, inline muzzle loaders, uh, to be precise, because I don't have any experience with, uh, you know, what some would consider quote-unquote real muzzle loaders. You know, like the flint locks and the cap locks and, and, and that kind of stuff. So, um, before we get into uh, talking about muzzle loaders, though, I do want to do uh, a little bit of a quick um, kind of update and, and things like that, like I've been doing. Unfortunately, there really is not a ton of a ton to update. I think since the last time I talked to you guys, because the last time I talked, um, it had been about a week or so since uh, I had actually been in the woods, and uh, well. I uh, have not been in the woods since then, and it's probably going to be another, like, at least two weeks before I'm in the woods again. Right now, I'm recording this on November 9. Um, the the uh, Minnesota firearm season kicked off uh, today, but unfortunately, um, I'm on my way to uh, to Florida, to Daytona, for work. So right now, I'm actually recording this in a hotel room in Paducah, Kentucky, and, um, and I'm kind of wishing, um, you know, hope, hoping that my buddy's back home had uh, success with, uh, you know, the first day of firearm season. So um, other than that, like I said, I'm heading down to Daytona. Every year I try to do uh, like a pig hunt down there. I'm not sure if that's going to happen because we're not staying at, at the same um, hotel that we've normally been staying at. We've been staying at a hotel for years that uh, has like a full-size like like kitchen, kitchenette kind of thing. And more importantly, it's got a full-size fridge. So if I go down there and I shoot something, I have more than enough uh, space and more importantly, the freezer space to completely freeze uh, whatever I shoot, anything I shoot, and um, you know, I, I I normally like butcher it and then cut and wrap it and process it and all that stuff right there in the kitchen. Um, after I bring it home in the cooler, obviously, I'll put it in the freezer. Um, they're frozen rock solid, and all it really takes is um, you know, the I'm actually driving down and driving back. So I'll you know, in in a cooler when I when I do that when I when I actually go to leave and drive back home, honestly, it takes like one chunk of uh, dry ice, if, if any. If they're, if they're frozen rock solid, honestly, they'll just sit in the cooler just fine. Because um, when I get up uh, into some of the, the northern states, after the first day of driving, you know, it stays cool enough outside anyway, and, and nothing really melts. But um, I'm not going to be staying at the same place we've been staying at for, you know, forever. So uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to, uh, basically, if I go and do this, it'll be like Monday night. It's Saturday night as I talk, as I say this. And uh, if it's going to be Monday, Monday afternoon, Monday night, then I'm going to have to figure out a way to keep all that stuff frozen in like a regular hotel room in a cooler for like a week. Um, you can do it with dry ice, but I don't know. That might get a little bit expensive if I keep doing that. So um, I don't know. We'll see. This will be at a place, um, you know, like I said, I've gone to uh, several years. It's called uh, West Shore Outfitters. It's, you know, 100% uh, disclosure here. Like I said, uh, it's, it's, it's overbait. Um, for years, I've gone with um, my rifles, and uh, I just didn't feel like doing that anymore for rifles. There's really not an opportunity to do any kind of, like, on-the-ground spot and stock uh, here. I know there are places around Florida where you can do that or if you can get on some land. But honestly, like this, like Monday afternoon, I, I'll have, like, literally, like, an afternoon and into the evening to be able to do anything this entire trip. And the rest of the time, I'm going to have like absolutely zero time. So uh, I did bring um, I did bring my bow. I brought two bows. I brought my compound, and I brought uh, the, the, uh, the Kodiak Magnum. I'm not, I really, really, really want to shoot one with the Kodiak Magnum. Um, so I talked to the guy, and he's like, yeah, bring both, and we'll try to get you as close as we can to a stand, you know, that's, that's, that's really, you know, I, I want like sub-15 yard shot. So I'm actually going to bring both of them to the stand if I go, 
and uh, you know, we'll see. And if I if I get like a clear shot, and 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 depending what you know the orientation of the stand and where it is and how close it is to uh, you know the, the the pigs in the feeder or the corn whatever, then uh, if I could actually get a good shot, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do that with uh, with with the recurve. Otherwise, I have no qualms about picking up the uh, you know the compound and uh, maybe you know get it done with that. And again, that's if I if I go at all. But anyway. So uh, anyway, I guess we can get back uh, into the show. I really don't have anything else to say other, aside from, um, you know, wishing everybody, uh, you know, kind of good luck. The firearm seasons have started. Uh, it seems like everyone is posting pictures of, um, of, of deer down. Um, again, it's, it's, it makes me happy, but it also makes me feel a little disheartened because I'm like, man, you know, everyone I know is posting a picture of, of animals they've got down. And, I've, you know, I've been out. And, you know, I haven't been out in a while, and I won't be able to get out in a while, and um, I don't know. But anyway, so I'm going to try and take any opportunity that I can to set any time in the woods that I can, even if it means, uh, you know, in a, in a, um, in a pay-to-play, you know, place, uh, you know, over, over corn, at least for pigs. So, okay, so I guess we can get into the show, and I wanted to talk about uh, muzzleloaders today. Now, the muzzle muzzleloader seasons kind of come in and out uh, throughout various states, at different times. Uh, I think there's already been a couple of states that already had muzzleloader seasons. Maybe Kentucky did or Tennessee. I can't remember. Uh, or Iowa might, might have had like an early muzzleloader season. But most of the muzzleloader seasons that I, you know, that I'm aware of are kind of later in the, you know, later in the season. They come after rifle season or shotgun season. Um, they're into like late November and into December. And that's certainly the case in uh, Minnesota. It, it opens, I think, the, the last day or last couple days, last weekend, maybe in November. And it goes for the next two weeks. So um, that is a you know great time you know to, to to be in the woods. You've got the initial orange army out there right now, uh, stirring everything up. And uh, you know once uh, once most of those kind of you know one weekend or you know one weekend a year, maybe two weekend a year weekend warriors um, put their orange down and, and put their rifles away and things like that. Uh, the, the woods hopefully kind of calm down a little bit. So if you do want to get out there with a little bit of a cheater stick, um, then um, it's a great time to do that. <clears throat> now, I know it's a bow hunting soul podcast, but I do like hunting with other weapons, at least at least for a little bit here and there. I, you know, I'll, I'll pick up my rifle. Not a problem. Again, just for it's grocery shopping. If I don't have anything down, I have no, you know, I 100% will, will shoot something with a rifle because I want meat in the freezer. Uh, oh, by the way, my freezer cocked out. This, uh, last night I realized um, I was uh, getting some ice packs ready for uh, a cooler that I was taking some food on, you know, with me on this trip. And it was in the basement and I went to go get it out of the freezer. And luckily I, I happened to check it then and um, my freezer cocked out. This, you know, the five, five cubic foot freezer that we have downstairs all of a sudden just decided to quit working and everything in there was still cold. It wasn't frozen anymore, but it was still like really, really cold. So it must've been maybe a day or so that it hadn't been working. I don't know. Um, cause it's, you know, stays pretty well insulated, I guess. And, um, we didn't really lose anything. You know, we had, uh, most of the stuff is in there is like, like regular, like frozen foods, like, you know, frozen meatballs and pizzas and things like that. Um, and that there wasn't a ton of stuff in there, but I did have my last, um, uh, venison, uh, uh, shoulder. Uh, my deer shoulder and I, from like a year and a half ago, two years ago. And I've been saving that sucker. And luckily it had it, no, nothing went bad. It's still good. I would have been heartbroken if I'd lost that thing. Cause, um, the, you know, the, the venison uh, shoulder 
and like a braised shoulder in, in a Dutch oven is absolutely my absolute favorite, you know, meal to have. And I've kind of been saving that for a special occasion, but, um, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe you're going to have to gonna eat that up before, uh, you know, something bad happens. And we certainly have to gonna get another freezer now, obviously. But, um, anyway, that's just an aside. So when, um, you know, when, when you're going to set out in, in the woods with, you know, some sort of firearm, um, I really like to take a muzzle loader. Now around here, around here, around, uh, when I say around here, around, around Minnesota, when, uh, the, the, the state is, is broken up into rifle, like a rifle zone, um, in, in like, I guess like the North half of the state and in the Southern half of the state during firearm season, it's either muzzle loader or shotgun. Now my shotgun isn't very accurate. I've tried different slugs out of it. I don't want to go down that road, but, uh, you can use a muzzle loader, which kind of makes me kind of laugh because my the muzzle loader that I shoot is, is very accurate. Um, I can shoot it very accurately. It's good to, um, I mean, it's probably good the longer that I can shoot it. The longest I've shot something is 117 yards with it. And, um, and that's with open sights. You put a scope on that thing, which I won't, but you put a scope on that thing and it's probably easily, you know, like a 200 yard gun. But, um, it's, it's funny that they allow that with a, with, with a, you know, a 45 caliber bullet that's like flying out of there, but they don't allow, um, you know, rifles. It's, 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 I don't know. Anyway. So, muzzleloader is a great way to, um, A, take advantage. I, I don't know how it is in your state, but in mine, it's a great way to, to get that accuracy um, in, in areas where you can't use a rifle, uh, but you can use a shotgun or a muzzleloader. And that's that's kind of what I end up doing. And, of course, in the muzzleloader season, you can only use a muzzleloader. So, um, I guess we're just, uh, we, we can kind of we kind of get into what, what makes an inline muzzleloader versus, I'm going to call them like a traditional muzzleloader. And, um, and I know there's a lot of, um, kind of back and forth. Um, maybe there is, maybe there is, maybe there isn't, I don't know, but maybe it's not as much as it is in the archery side of it with like a compound bow versus a traditional bow, but you do get some of the, um, the, um, arguments in the, in the muzzle loading community saying, well, the inline muzzle loader isn't really a muzzle loader. You know, it's, um, uh, it's not like the, uh, you know, the, the old school muzzle loaders where, you know, either it's cap, you know, cap lock fired or. Or it's, a, or it's a flint, you know, like a flint lock, you know, flint either does the spark or, or, a, or a cap, like a sparking cap. I can't remember. It's not even a sparking cap. It'll come to me. But um, cap fired, that's what sets the spark. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I guess I guess they do have a point. And the inlines are certainly, they seem to be a lot more uh, uh, like sturdier built. Uh, they usually come some sort of break action. And uh, they seem to be pretty, uh, pretty accurate. So what makes an inline an inline? Is it's it's referencing that all the components necessary uh, are are all like all in line, right? So you've got the barrel, and then you've got the there's a breech plug in the back, so it's like a break action, kind of like a break action shotgun. You open it up, it kind of breaks, and then you've got this breech in the back that screws in. So that is in line with the barrel, and inside that is where you would put. Um, uh, well, so the, the breech will come out. You put the breech in. You still you still load the powder or pellets, and we're going to get into that. We're going to get into the difference between that. You still get load the powder and pellets from the top, and it goes all the way down. And you still load, you know, your bullet from the top, and you shove it all the way down. But the bullet and the powder and the breech, the breech plug, and the um, uh, the primer, because it's set off by like a shotgun primer, are all in line with one another, versus a traditional muzzle loader. Um, like, like, a, 
they, they kind of look like a, like a Kentucky rifle or a Pennsylvania rifle kind of thing, but you know, they're not rifles, but um, traditional muzzle loader, you don't have uh, the brake action. You don't, you can't get to the back of the barrel. There's no breech plug to, uh, to unscrew. So any kind of cleaning that you need to do, you need to swab all the way down, um, you know, from the front side, you can't, uh, you can't clean it like you would like a rifle, you know, while you pass um, like a cleaning rod or, or, or patch or something like that from one end all the way through the other. There's no breech plug to unscrew. Um, but the important thing is, is the ignition source is on the side of the breech, the, of the side of the action. So if it's a flint lock, you've got a um, basically like a flint that is uh, contained in, um, oh man, I, I, I'm, I'm losing the, the terminology here. It, it's ba it basically like clamps uh, a piece of flint and when that falls down, it falls down into, um, uh, it, it actually scrapes against uh, 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 metal into a, what's called a frizzen. A frizzen is what contains really, really fine black powder. And that spark from that uh, uh, flint coming down is what ignites that really, really fine black powder. And then there's a hole between the frizzen and that goes into uh, you know the, the back of the barrel, let's say, into the breech, and then that ignites the bigger, um, not as as fine, more coarse uh, black powder that ignites that powder and it pushes the bullet um, down down the barrel. So the ignition source, I guess, is not in line with everything, right? The ignition source is on the side, and same with uh, with the cap lock. You know, a hammer falls down, a sparking cap goes off, it ignites the powder. And the, the flame travels sideways into the back of the breech and then ignites the main powder charge that's at the bottom uh, underneath the, uh, the bullet. And then that pushes the, um, that pushes the projectile uh, down. So that's about as much as I know about traditional muzzle loaders. I'd like to have one one day when I have a little more time to play around with them. But honestly, right now, I just like, I just like playing around with the inline. Uh, I've had great success with that. I've shot a few deer with that. Um, and, uh, I have a really, really good load for that. So I guess we can kind of get into the, the, the things you're going to need, uh, for an inline muzzle loader. Number one, uh, the process kind of best practices, you know, the process to do it and the best practices, you know, to follow while you're loading this thing and shooting this thing. And then, um, then we can kind of get into, uh, a couple projectile choices and some powder choices and, um, and things like that. So we'll just, uh, we'll just go in that order. Okay, so what are we going to need to get into muzzle loading? Well, we're going to need a muzzle loader, first of all. Um, good brands, obviously, are Thompson Center, and they have various uh, uh, models of uh, muzzle loader. I think the high end one is like the Triumph, I believe. I have like the entry level one, it's called the Impact, which is a, a really, really good one. It's a really accurate one. I really like shooting it. Um, however, the bore will rust. Uh, it's not, doesn't have like the greatest uh, as far as like corrosion resistance. Um, and, uh, it, even if you keep it oiled, but it doesn't seem to really hurt the barrel. Cause every time I go to shoot it after it's been stored, I'll obviously clean it really well. Um, uh, you know, super dry, that kind of stuff, get any, any kind of, it doesn't really pit or anything. It's just like mild, 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 like oxidation inside. Right now, if that turns you off, well, go, you can go to something higher. You, there's, um, uh, there's other brands like uh, traditions, which is kind of like an also entry level brand, uh, CVA, which is also kind of hit or miss on quality can be. Um, from, from, from what I'm hearing, but, um, you know, Thompson center is, is kind of like, you know, the big dog in the fight kind of thing. So there's, there are different models in there. Like I said, I have the impact, 
and uh, you know, I really like it. It cleans up easy. It's uh, relatively inexpensive. It's only like, I don't know, it's under 250 bucks or something like that. You can put a scope on it if you want. Now me, um, I draw the line at that. It's kind of one of those, again, personal ethic kind of things. Um, I really, I really, it comes with um, fiber optic sights, right? It's got kind of like the, um, you know, single front sight and then the two um, um, uh, in the rear kind of U sight. So just like an open-sided rifle. Now, using that, like I said, I shot, what was it, four years ago maybe? I mean, I shot a deer at 117 yards. Boom, down it went. Um, in Minnesota, they just legalized, I think last year or the year before, that you could actually use a scope on a muzzleloader during muzzleloader season. It didn't used to be that way. But I choose not to put one on. But if that's your game, if that's your bag, that's fine. Uh, a lot of these will have scope bases or, or, uh, or, or they're uh, drilled and tapped for scope bases. And uh, you can kind of go from there. I just kind of like, you know, keeping it pure with, with, with the open sights. So you're going to need, uh, yeah, so you're going to need a muzzle loader. And then what do you need to go along with the muzzle loader? Well, you're going to need a cleaning rod, number one. You're going to need some patches, number two. And just like any other cleaning patches, um, then you're probably going to need a, um, uh, a bullet starter, okay, which is this little... Kind of, it's almost like a little mini ball with like a little rod kind of thing in your hand. You don't necessarily always need this. I I, I really don't don't use one. Um, you can kind of see what I'm talking about if you go look some of the stuff up. But it basically is is to start the bullet easily just in uh, you know from because you, obviously you're loading everything from uh, the end of the barrel down, right? So it's to it, it's to aid in in starting the bullet in the bore because it can be kind of finicky because it's a tight fit and then after once that that's done then use the ramrod which comes with the muzzle loader to ram it all the way down so you might want a bullet starter uh, you definitely need a, a powder flask uh, or powder measure or um, we're going to get into this a little bit later uh, if you pre-measure your stuff then there's like these 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 pre um, uh, like Pre preloaded. Uh, hang on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the actual uh, terminology for it. Okay, I'm back. Powder tubes. That's what they're called. Powder tubes. Um, these may or may not have graduations on it. You know, lines on it to show how much powder is in it. But if you use something that has a graduated, uh, you know, that's graduated for the powder they're using, and you pour it in these things, they're basically like plastic tubes. Usually, um, sometimes it can be uh, like clear, or sometimes they're you know the ones I have are green, and it's just got like a cap on it. And they're just pre-measured uh, powder, basically, that you take with you for, you know, follow-up shots, second, third shots, what have you, so that you're not, you know, trying to pour out of, um, you know, a container or something like that. Uh, again, this is assuming that you're losing, you're using loose powder. So you probably want a few of those, and you're going to want a, um, uh, a pack of, uh, or, you know, one packet, I guess, of um, uh, primers. Now, most inline muzzle loaders use shotgun primers these are like the number 209 primers these are the ones that are that are like if you look at the back of a shotgun shell this is the primer that's that's used to set off the charge in in, in a shotgun the i'm going to tell you right now skip all the other ones i don't care what you hear about any any other primer i don't care if you reload for uh rifles and you, you know most primers will do for muzzle loading trust me get the winchester w209 primers i'm going to say it again the winchester W209 primer. Skip all the other ones. Forget what you read. Forget about everything else. Everyone comes back to this one because it is it is hot enough to ignite pretty much any charge, 
and it's hot enough to ignite any charge, especially in cold weather. A lot of times you might, um, you know, hear kind of horror stories of kind of like, uh, you know, like dud, you know, duds or, or, you know, charges that didn't go off because the, um, you know, the, the, the spark wasn't hot enough. Trust me, Winchester 209 W209 primers. That's what you're going to, that's what you're going to want. That's what you're going to get. <laughs> Next thing we need is a powder and uh, powder. I'm, I'm going to not talk about black powder right now. Now these guns will take uh, black powder or uh, black powder substitutes. Now, I don't have any experience with actual genuine black powder and black powder. So I'm, I'm going to kind of very, very quickly gloss over that. So black powder is actually a explosive versus, um, uh, let's say, like smokeless powder that you use in rifles and, and handguns, which is a propellant. They're, they're a little bit different. Um, if you were to take, again, legal disclaimer, don't do this, but if you were to take outside a, a little like metal pan and put like a little bit of, I mean, a little bit of black powder on there and then drop a match in it, it will go poof, right? It would, it would explode like immediately, go poof immediately, kind of like the old, um, you know, magicians, uh, you know, tricks or whatever on stage, like poof, and then and, and, you know, smoke, smoke everywhere and a rabbit appears. It's an explosive. A propellant that is in like a rifle cartridge, that's smokeless powder. It has very little smoke to it, so they call it smokeless powder. If you were to drop a match into that, it would actually burn. It would actually go, it would kind of like, like fizzle and sizzle, you know, but it wouldn't go, it wouldn't go poof. Now, you would never, 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 never use a smokeless powder in a muzzle loader. Okay? You will blow it up. The pressure generated and, and the, and, and the pressure, I guess, um, uh, uh, I guess, like a time over pressure, uh, chart, you know, uh, if you were to chart it, is completely different than what you get with genuine black powder or any black powder substitute. So in any muzzle loader, do never, never, never shoot a smokeless powder. Okay. Only use actual black powder and black powder is rated in, um, it's like, it's, it's an F's and G's, right? So like FFG, let's say is, uh, you know, kind of coarse. FFFG is even finer and like, you know, FFF, like 4F, you know, powder is even finer than that. Um, I don't really know, you know, the sizes and things like that. All I know is, you know, for, um, for a traditional muzzle loader, if you're, you know, in the pan to start the flash, you know, you want to use really fine. And then the actual main propellant is actually coarse. So that's about all, all I know. So anything that says uh, GoX, G-U-E-X, or Swiss, um, or uh, I can't remember the name of, of any other black powder, really. Um, those are actual, like, black powders. Now, in an inline muzzle loader, you can use black powder. And again, you have to, you have to obviously, you know, read the manual of whatever, whatever gun you buy of what they recommend as far as um, what goes down, what goes down, you know, as, as a main powder charge. And don't stray from that. But um, a lot of people use a black powder substitute, okay? Um, this will be either something called 777, Pyrodex. Uh, I think there's, uh, I think Alliant makes uh, like MZ or something like that too. I don't know if it's still around, honestly. I haven't really um, dug into it. Or um, what I'm using and a lot of people have switched to is something called Blackhorn 209, VH 209. Now... Uh, the first two things we're going to talk about, uh, as far as powders goes, like the Pyrodex and Triple Seven, they're very, very similar to each other. Um, they have, you know, you have to follow, you know, whatever the the you know the load, the charges are, 
compared to what, you know how how heavy your bullet weight is. So um, you know, j just like if I don't know if you guys do any kind of reloading with rifles or anything like that, but you really have to follow those recipes, um, you know, to a T. Because if you put too much powder or not enough powder or too heavy a bullet behind, you know, the wrong charge or in front of the wrong charge, you know, bad things can happen. I mean, you can blow the stuff up. So you really, really have to pay attention to what you're doing. You have to, uh, you know, stick with, um, you know, uh, the, the, the guidelines. Now, they've come out with, well, for a long time now, I think to make some of this easier, Triple uh, Seven and Pyrodex have pellets. These are 50 grain pellets. And... They're good to get started with. If you're kind of new to muzzle loading and you just kind of dabble your toes into it and want to figure out, you know, if you like this kind of thing or not, these pellets come in, like I said, 50 grain pellets. So uh, most, I guess, load recipes, charges will either, you know, call for like two pellets or three pellets. Now, three pellets is like pretty stout. Most people shoot two. Okay, so it'd be like 100 grains worth of pellet. Now, a couple problems with this. One, um, they are hygroscopic, meaning they will absorb water over time or moisture over time, uh, making them lose their potency. And number two, um, they're not necessarily, I mean, they're made, they're mass produced and they're made in these like kind of round pellets and they don't necessarily all have the same burn rates and they don't necessarily all have the same, uh, weight. So you can have a little bit of inconsistency from charge to charge or from shot to shot. Whereas if you were to use loose powder, then you pour loose powder into graduated containers that show how many grains um, of powder by volume, okay, by volume, and then you would then pour that down uh, the barrel and then seat your bullet on top of that. Now, it's important to reiterate that. In the black powder world, in the muzzle loading world, the powder charges are referred to or, or, or spoken of in terms of by volume. So if you say like 80 grains, it's 80 grains by volume, not by weight. Okay. So if you're going to start off with a charge like 90 grains of pyrodex, then you would have a graduated cylinder, you know, for pyrodex and you would pour, you know, you, you would pour enough, you know, out of the container or whatever to fill that line up to where it says 90 grains. And then that is your 90 grain, um, that, that is your 90 grain charge or a hundred grain charge or 110 grain charge or, or whatnot. So, um, in the rifle world, propellants, powders, they are measured by weight, not by volume, okay? But in the muzzle-loading world, they are by volume. Really, 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 really important to know that. Now, um, when we get into talking about this Blackhorn 209, there's some other things with that that, um, that you can actually do it both ways, and I'm going to actually suggest that you do it by weight with that. But I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that in, in a little bit here. So, um, so anyway, so we've got our powder. Uh, we can have our pellets. That's fine. Um, then we need to pick a bullet. Now, most muzzle loaders are considered, let's say, like 50 cal. Okay, it's a 50 cal muzzle loader is the most 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 popular one. Um, the caliber obviously is the uh, the diameter of um, the the inside of the bore, meaning um, I guess if you were to well, down the barrel, we've got lands and grooves, right? So the inside, so the, the very, if you were to go like from like the outside edge to outside edge, which would be the grooves, it would actually measure depending on the muzzle loader, um, like 0.51 or 0.52 or 0.54 or something like that. Whereas the inner bore, the actual inner bore, uh, would be 0.50, 50 caliber. Now, 
most inline muzzle loaders will shoot a projectile that is uh, that is encased in what's called either you can say it a couple ways. It's either a sabo or a sabot. Okay, it's S A B O T, and I refer to them both ways. I think it comes from the French word, so it's like sabo or sabo. I say sabo, and it's basically this this plastic enclosure um, that the bullet actually sits into, and then together they make 50 caliber. A 50 caliber muzzle loader actually shoots, in most cases, a 45 caliber bullet. Okay, so the bullet itself measures 0.45 or 0.451 or 0.452 or, or something like that. It's the same size bullet that you would put, at least diameter-wise, that you would load in like a 45 ACP or uh, like a 450 Marlin or, 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 or whatever. The fact that it's a 50, it's not actually shooting a 50 caliber bullet itself. The bullet, the bullet itself does not um, measure at point, you know, 0.5 or 0.51 or anything like that. Together, the bullet and the sabo together fill the, 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 the inside of that, of that barrel and seal the inside of that barrel to, to get it up to point, you know, four, to, to get it up to point five, five one, five two, what have you. Depending on how tight the bore is, there's different uh, sabos, there's, there's different uh, uh, thicknesses of sabo so that some load a little bit easier than others. Some are super tight, some are not, depending on your manufacturer, depending on your, your actual bore. You're going to have to, uh, to play around with stuff like that. Now, you can shoot a patched ball out of these things, okay, um, like like an old-timey muzzle loader, okay, where you've got an actual, you know, lead ball, and you have uh, like a cotton patch or something like that 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 is, in, that is encasing the ball, and that whole thing gets rammed down, and that's what gets shot. Um, you can do that. I have not had very good luck with... Um, uh, in any kind of cast bullets out of out of out of my muzzle loaders, I played around with it for a little bit. But you know, if you're just looking to get into this, um, just like I said, kind of dip your toes into it, see if you like it. Go ahead and buy one of you know a, a bunch of different bullets out there that you can use, and they're jacketed bullets, and they have uh, like I said, they have uh, they have they have they're encased in the sabo, and they're I mean, that, trust me, that, that'll, that'll do the job. So um, we'll get into bullets in detail a little bit later, and I'm going to give you my recommendation for which, which ones I like to use. So those are the components. We got the gun. We got um, like a bullet starter if you really want to. We got a ramrod. Um, we got uh, uh, like a cleaning patch. And uh, we've got our powder. And we've got our powder measure. And we've got our projectile. So how is the process all go. How does how does this all kind of go together? Well, the basic process, kind of the one on one process, is this: you put your breech plug in, you make sure it's tight, and you tighten it to whatever the manufacturer's you know, recommended uh, uh, tightness is. And then you shut the you you, you basically you know well, I was going to say you shut the breech, but the breech is already shut. Then you um, kind of lock the gun, meaning you know it's, it's a break action, so you can get to the back of it. Well, then you just you know kind of like a shotgun, you know, you you straighten it out and it kind of locks together. Guns ready to load. You then take your powder, and you can pour, you know, a funnel through there, or whatever. You use a funnel or whatever. So you stand, you stand it up. And I recommend that you don't have this thing facing right in your face, just in case. But we're we're standing with a clean bore, by the way, a totally <clears throat> a totally clean bore, no oil, no nothing else inside of it. And we're gonna pour our pre-measured powder charge down the down the barrel, or we're gonna dump our uh, two, let's say two, most people use two, 
um, 50 grain um, pellets down there. They go all the way down to the bottom. Then we take our bullet with the sabo or sabot, however you want to say it, and you start it at, at, the, at, at the muzzle end and you start pushing that down. You take the ramrod and you push it all the way down until you feel the bullet seat on top of the powder charge. Now, once it seats, here's where a little bit of the, um, it, it's a feel thing uh, comes in, okay? You can sit there and ram that thing, keep ramming that thing down, and especially if, they're, uh, if you're using pellets, you can crush those pellets further and further down. And the more you crush the pellets uh, from one shot to the next, it's gonna give you shot inconsistency. But when you feel it go down there, and, and you will feel it, that's when you stop. Now, here's a really great tip. In fact, you should not, it's not a, just a tip. You really ought to do this. On your ramrod, when you have the charge that you want, and let's say you're using like the two pellets, and you've got your bullet, and that particular bullet that you're using, and it's seated on top of that firmly, the, the, your ramrod is going to stick out of the barrel a little bit. Okay, it, well it should anyway, obviously, and that's not going to go all the way down because it's, it's longer than the barrel so you can actually seat the thing. So it's going to be sticking out of the barrel by a little bit. I would definitely take a piece, uh, you know, take, take a paint marker, take a Sharpie, take a piece of, uh, you know, like clear, uh, or um, like white duct tape, something, anything. And you mark where the, the ramrod just peeks out of the muzzle, okay? And... That's going to give you a visual clue, like when it's loaded, this is right. Now, because you can't see what's going down, what's going on down, down in that barrel, um, on, on future shots, let's say, let's say you, uh, you know, you, you dropped a, you know, you dropped a, a pellet in, and then, um, you know, a 50 grain pellet in, and then someone, um, or even two pellets in, let's say, and then someone, you know, said, hey, Emra, you know, what about such and such, and you got distracted, and he went back to loading your gun again. Let's say you're at the range or something like that. You went back to loading your gun again, and then you throw in two more pellets on there. So now you have 200 grains instead of 100 grains of powder charge in there, which is like a bomb. And then you load your bullet on top of that. And you don't notice that the, um, the ramrod is sticking you know, a lot higher up than it should be. So if you have that stripe on your ramrod of where it should be with the proper charge, with the actual bullet seated at the, at the depth that it's supposed to be seated at, that's a visual cue saying, okay, everything's right. If for some reason um, you can't see the stripe and the stripe, you know, the, the ramrod's further down in the barrel where you're like, oh, wait a minute, did I not put enough powder charge in there? So it's a really, really good visual check to, um, you know, to not get yourself in trouble. Again, like you could you could blow the gun up one way or, you know, especially if you put, you know, too much, uh, too much in there. So um, definitely do that. And then once it's seated, then technically, and again, check your state laws. Well, before you do this, take out the ramrod. Make sure you take out the ramrod because that's, that's, again, that's, a, that's another projectile that is going to add resistance. If you forget, if you, if you fire this thing with that, with that ramrod in it, bad things can happen because you're creating pressure. You're creating weight that um, that, that powder charge has to move. Um, aside from the bullet as well as uh, the ramrod, so that could be that could be kind of bad. But anyway, at this point, we don't have a primer in this thing. Now, in the state of Minnesota, which is all I can speak to, is this gun is considered unloaded. Okay, it is not considered a loaded, at least legally, it's not considered a loaded muzzle loader until you put your primer in. Okay. 
Your state may be different. I don't know. Now, at this point, this is when, um, you know, you can transport it in your car or, uh, you know, if, if you didn't shoot anything that day, you know, you don't have a primer in it. You can you can put it back, you know, in, in, in its case or whatever and, you know, drive back home. So you're not technically driving around with a loaded firearm. But again, check your state's laws. OK, that's really, really important. When we actually go to shoot, then we break the action open again. And on the back side of that removable breech plug is a little indentation where this primer is going to fit, this, this 209 um, uh, shotgun primer. So you push that primer into there. Now, there's, they, they do sell a tool. It's called a capper tool. Um, uh, it, it actually helps push that primer in there. And, uh, and on the other end of it, it's kind of like a little claw that helps pull it out after it's fired. I've never had a problem pulling it out, but you may want to look into that too. But when you put that primer in there and then you, you, know, you, you snap that gun shut again, that's when it's considered legally loaded. It's ready to go. So that when you're ready to shoot at something, you line up and uh, you pull the trigger. The hammer falls down. The hammer hits the back of that primer. The primer sparks and it goes through the hole. There's a little tiny hole, a pinhole yeah, through the, the center of the breech. And it ignites the powder charge and, and out goes the bullet. That is the kind of the, the 101 uh, steps to doing this. Now, having told you all that, <clears throat> I want to get into a couple best practices uh, for clean ignition, for good ignition, that, um, and, and consistent ignition. Now, one of the main things with, uh, with muzzleloaders, well, with a lot of rifles too, it, but muzzleloaders especially, it, it seems like a lot of times your first shot is different. Like if you're, if you're, if you're um, shooting at the range and you're trying to get groups and you're trying to get dialed in, your very, very first shot is different than your subsequent shots as far as point of impact goes, which can be really, really frustrating. Now, depending on the gun, uh, a lot of guns will do better with a little bit of fouling, a little bit of powder fouling in the breech, or at least in the first, like, you know, in, you know uh, from the breech for the next, I don't know, like a couple inches up the barrel kind of thing. Uh, the way to do that, and the, what, what I do, and what a lot of people do, is in a safe area, without, with, with no powder charge whatsoever, they will put a primer in and just fire two, three primers. And that kind of just kind of coats or uh, seasons, let's say, uh, the breech area for a better ignition for when there's actually powder in there. Don't ask me why it happens that way. Don't ask me why it does that. But um, what I do is, you know, when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm ready to shoot, when I'm ready to pull my uh, uh, muzzleloader out of, out of, you know, out of the gun, um, uh, gun cabinet, and I'm, I'm getting it ready for season. I'm getting it ready for the next day or what, whatever. I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely take everything apart. I'll take the breech out because it unscrews. And I'll clean everything with either like brake cleaner or, uh, or uh, isopropyl alcohol. Okay. And I'll swab the bore, you know, which will have had like gun oil and things like that. I'll swab that completely, 100 completely, percent completely dry. Dry, dry, dry. I'll assemble it and then I'll fire off two, three uh, primers. And that seasons, um, quote unquote seasons, I'm using that term, but I don't know what, what other term to use. Uh, it seasons that, that breach area so that you can have a little better uh, uh, consistent ignition so that your first shot isn't so different from your, from your subsequent shot. Now, black powder is, depending on the kind of flat powder you use, it fouls. It, it fouls the, bear, the, the bore, um, something severe, especially the first like, couple few inches down that thing. So um, I guess... 
depending who you listen to, um, they have different uh, cleaning regimens between shot to shot. Some say they swab the bore and completely clean it between every single shot so that it's a fresh shot every single time. Other people say that you know you can shoot several shots out of it without needing to run anything down there, depending on the powder that you use. I know the Pyrodex and 777 will, re will leave what's called a crud ring. Um, this is about maybe an inch, half an inch, an inch maybe up from the very, very bottom, okay, right in front of the right in front of the breech. And this is the part that's kind of like crusted in. It's a ring that's like crusted in uh, around the you know the inside of the barrel. And uh, the more you shoot, the more crud and more soot and fouling are are in the are in the bore, and then subsequent like loads um, are get 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 tougher and tougher to, to shove that bullet all the way down. Um, you'll actually feel the resistance of subsequent, you know, uh, when, when you're trying to ram subsequent bullets down, you'll actually feel the resistance from it because of all the crud that's in there. So um, some people say, you know, pull the breech out and you just run like, you know, one um, kind of alcohol soaked uh, patch all the way through. Uh, some just say use, uh, uh, again, depending on what kind of powder you're using. Some, some, some use, I, I, I use isopropyl alcohol, some use uh, soapy water, some use Windex um, or hot water, but um, I've kind of gone away from those black powders, like a 777 and Pyrodex, I've gone away from that, but um, you do get a couple, couple few shots out of there before you really got to like, you know, run something down there and clean it up. But then again, um, depending on how much of the fouling you take off uh, one time versus another time, it really, really changes uh, the dynamics of what's going on ignition-wise and resistance-wise down in that barrel, especially in, in the very first you know few inches, and it, it does affect your shot accuracy. So it's kind of one of those like things that want you, know, you want to you know pull your hair out over, but you need to get into um, a routine and stick with that routine. Okay, uh, this is this this requires a lot of practice, a lot more I think than uh, you know shooting a rifle. Um, it requires you to do things the same way all the time so that you know how the muzzle loader is going to behave from shot to shot. So if you decide that you're only going to clean it after every three or four shots, then you know that, you know, the first shot does this and the second shot lands over here and the third and fourth shots may be, you know, clustered, you know, a little bit farther away or whatever. Um, or, or, or it may not, depending on your actual gun, your actual barrel, they may they may just all be perfectly you know clustered at a hundred yards you know like you know well inside of a fist or a palm or something like that. That's great, but you just need to know what your muzzle loader does and the, the idiosyncrasies of of that gun with that powder with that bullet. Okay, and once you get that down, then um, then then you'll know what to expect. Obviously, the very very the most important one is that very very first shot. You need to know where that first shot's going to go because that's going to probably be like the money shot. And all the other ones after that, the subsequent loads are like follow-up shots, which you're not going to be able to do very quickly anyway. So you need to practice with that with that muzzle loader. Um, so the, the fouling, the fouling definitely, um, uh, the, the fouling from the uh, the, the pre-fouling, I guess, the seasoning uh, definitely seems to work uh, for me. Seems to work for a lot of for a lot of guys. Some uh, some guys will actually even put um, uh, like a little bit of powder charge with just uh, uh, a patch down there, they'll, they'll ram a patch down there, and it'll it'll kind of burn a little bit of, of, of powder along with you know what the primer does. I don't do that. I just use just the primer. Um, before, by the way, before 
you actually even assemble any of this. I should have, should have mentioned this. When you have the breech plug out and you're cleaning everything, make sure you look through the hole in the breech plug um, and that you can actually see light through it. A lot of times something will get caught in there. It's such a really, really, really small hole. Um, and if there's anything obstructing that, even if it's oil, you know, if, if you if you clean the barrel and stuff, but then, um, you know, because a lot of times we'll store, obviously, our, we'll store our guns, you know, with, with, the, with the barrel facing up. Well, if you put a little bit of oil, you know, or coat the inside of the, the barrel with oil, you know, for, um, for storage, well, all that oil eventually from gravity will run down and will kind of pool on top of that breech plug. Well, it'll actually plug up that hole. Make sure you blow that hole out because otherwise the spark is not going to get through and you're going to have um, poor ignition or no ignition or slow ignition and it's just going to screw everything up. So um, when, when we're cleaning everything, like I said, isopropyl alcohol or blast it out with some brake clean, make sure that things like pristine, you can actually see daylight through it before you actually put it together. So anyway, those are some of the, I guess, best practices when it comes to shooting, uh, to shooting these things. And I think I've already touched on uh, when you're ramming the bullet down and you actually feel it, you know, compress on top of the powder charge, whether it's the pellets or the powder or if it's a loose powder, always just kind of do the same, same amount. Because you can say, especially with the pellets, you can crush those things and you can actually um, be quote unquote seated and then continue to keep ramming that thing down and go down like another half an inch, which is a big, 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 big difference. And by the way, when you're ramming this thing down, um, don't point you know, obviously, you know, the number one thing we've been told around firearms is, you know, don't point the thing at anybody, including yourself. Well, with a muzzle loader, the barrel's pointing up and you're pretty much standing on top of it, right? So use some common sense and don't sit there and put your head in your eye, like literally right over the, the bore. Um, you know, so if anything happens, then, you know, I hate to say it, but at least your hand gets blown off and not your face. Um, so, you know, make sure you know, make, make sure you're being safe with this thing, you know, and don't sit there and start like slamming the, uh, the metal rod. You don't want to have any sparks or anything go down, go down through there. Just use some common sense. So anyway, so we've got this thing loaded. Uh, we've got it fired. We've fired it a few times. We've got this kind of cadence of, uh, of, uh, firings to cleanings, uh, the breach and things like that. So that's going to give you an idea of what your, your muzzle loader is going to do in the real world. Um, real world accuracy, what can we expect? Well, out of, a, out of an inline muzzle loader, shit, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm well inside of like a, like a closed fist, uh, at a hundred yards and that's with open sights. Um, and I did shoot it, I did shoot it here at 107, 117 yards open sights. Boom. I mean, it went down, um, super, super accurate. I, you know, I haven't practiced out much, much farther than that. I just held a little bit high. And, you know, down it went. I've actually, and I've shot him as close as, um, like, 25 or 30 yards. So, anyway, no, the accuracy the accuracy is uh, is definitely there. Uh, when we're done at the end of the day, what do we do? Well, if you're going to hunt the next day, um, then definitely pull that primer out so you're legal to be transporting it, put it, you know, put it back in its case, that sort of thing. Now, muzzle loading seasons are usually when it's cold. And... One thing a lot of guys do, and I do too, is you don't want condensation to creep into that powder charge. It's not as sealed as, as let's say, like a rifle. Um, so condensation can seep past the bores, uh, the bore, you know, the grooves in the bore. And um, 
if you come from a really, you know, cold, let's just say it's like, you know, like 10, 15 degrees outside, right? Which it typically is sometimes when I'm out for muzzle or even five degrees or what have you, cold. If you were to do that and then bring that, that gun back inside the house, you're going to have condensation. You're going to have condensation on the outside, but you're probably going to have condensation on the inside as well. And if you keep doing that, then that condensation is pretty much going to get sucked up into, uh, to, to some degree, it's going to get sucked up into that powder charge, which is not good for ignition at all, much less consistent ignition. So what what I do is I actually leave the thing, you know, outside. I'll leave, I'll leave either locked up, obviously, either in the garage where it's nice and cold or, you know, in my trunk in the garage where it's nice and cold. But um, I won't bring it into the house, so I don't – it just stays cold. It doesn't have any condensation uh, to worry about. Now, what do you do? Uh, if you haven't shot anything and that's it, you're not, your, your season's over or you're not going to hunt anymore, then what do you do? Well, you got a couple options. One, you can just discharge it outside, um, you know, uh, shoot it in, you know, shoot it into the ground, shoot it somewhere safe. Um, if you have a backstop to shoot it into, you know, discharge it, whatever. Or, uh, you have the option with a, with an inline, obviously to break, to break it open and you take the breech out. And when you do, all that powder is going to fall out. So do it over like, I don't know, uh, do it over, do it on a lawn if you can, you know, if your neighbors aren't going to yell at you. Because black powder, by the way, um, or, or even smokeless powder is actually a really good fertilizer. So you can put it on the, you know, you can dump it on the grass and it's, uh, it's actually good for it. But all that's going to, you, you pull that breech plug out, the very first thing that's, you know, it's in front of that breech is that, is that powder charge. So either those pellets will fall out. And the pellets usually won't fall out. They'll be like semi-crushed anyway. So you're going to have to kind of dig them out. Or if it's loose powder, it's going to it's gonna fall out for the most part. And then make sure you uh, kind of blow in there and get, get all that loose stuff out. And then you'll take your ramrod and just keep forcing that bullet back out. Um, if it fits, uh, I'm not sure if it's going to go past the threads or not, honestly. Uh, I haven't done it in a while. You can either keep, uh, you know, going in a direction from from the muzzle down toward the breech and see if the bullet comes out that way, or you know, might have to actually, uh, once the once obviously the breech is out of there, push the bullet back forward down the barrel and out the muzzle end, and uh, and take it out that way. So you got a couple options, um, and when you go to clean it, uh, especially after it's been shot, obviously, is again a lot of people recommend hot soapy water. Hot soapy water will take care of a lot of that stuff. Um, I use, uh, isopropyl alcohol, um, and, uh, I'll use water, I'll use water as well too, but isopropyl alcohol seems to work really good. I'll take that breech plug out and I'll actually soak it in like a little cup, um, of, uh, of, of alcohol and it helps loosen up that crud. And you, I mean, you'll see what, you'll see what I'm talking about, all the, all the fouling and the soot and everything like that. It gets kind of crusty. So if you let it sit there and soak for like, I don't know, half hour, hour, whatever, it becomes a whole lot easier to clean and you can get in there with like, um, like, uh, you know, like kind of twisted up paper towel or, or patch or what have you. And you can get that stuff, uh, you can get that stuff pretty clean. Um, same with uh, down the barrel. Some of the, if you have any kind of like crud, like the crud ring or the fouling, um, definitely pre-soak it with, you know, either, like I said, hot soapy water or isopropyl alcohol. And, you know, you get most of it out. And then the rest of it, you know, go ahead and use like a bronze, uh, you know, bronze brush you know, like a bore brush and scrape that stuff out. You can get to it really easy. It's right there. So like I said, most of it's in the first couple inches, you know, by the breech. And when the action's broken open, you know, the breech plug is out. You can just, you know, shove a, 
uh, cleaning rod through there, like a, like a bronze brush, and like you would like any other rifle, and uh, it, it it breaks up all that 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 hard crusty stuff, and then just keep you know just keep you know alternating between that and and the patch and that and the patch, and then um, you know dry patch, and then when you're gonna store it, um, I just use like you know any kind of oil, ram oil, whatever, and it gets it gets uh, it gets stored that way. So um, like I said, just make sure next time you go to use it, you get all that oil out of the barrel. You want it totally totally bone dry. And then um, what I do, like I said, is, is fire off those three primers, you know, before I, I load my first charge. So that's kind of like a really, really kind of quick, um, uh, I guess, uh, intro to, uh, to muzzle loading from, um, you know, what you need to how to load it and, you know, a couple of best practices, I guess. But uh, let's get into talking a little bit about uh, bullets. And then uh, I'm going to talk about this uh, Blackhorn 209 powder. Now bullets, they are uh, like I said, they are most most 50 cal, m most muzzle loaders are like 50 cal. There are there are you know smaller ones uh, like 32 caliber or things like that. A, a lot of people like hunt small game with those. But but if you're basically if you're talking about an inline deer muzzle loader, you're talking a 50 cal muzzle loader, and uh, you're probably shooting a bullet that is a 45 caliber, meaning it measures 0.45, either, either 0 0.450, 0.451, 0.452, uh, depending on the manufacturer. And it's got a sabo or sabot around it. It's like a little plastic cup that basically um, surrounds it. And that sabot, sabo is actually what grips the rifling inside of that, of that barrel. And the back of that sabo is, is like, a, like, a, like a cup that sits on top of the powder charge. So basically that pushes everything along. Uh, the bullet, the bullet itself doesn't actually touch, um, the, the rifling inside the barrel. Okay. What's, what spins is, uh, the sabo is actually puts, uh, is what's spinning and it, it's what imparts the spin on, onto the bullet. So, um, so the, you got, you got a bunch of options out there and the two, I'm going to say, well, there's, there, there's, there's a few out there. I think Remington makes like an AccuTip, I believe it's called. I have not used that. Uh, there's a company called Powerbelt, which has uh, people either love it or people say they'll never, ever shoot that thing again. I'll never shoot one. Uh, I've read too many bad things about it. Um, you know, inconsistent. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to go down the Powerbelt thing. So the other two biggies on there are Barnes makes a bullet and um, uh, Thompson Center itself makes a bullet. Now, Thompson Center calls their bullet the Shockwave. And they make two kinds. They make a regular one and a bonded one. Um, I've shot game with the regular one, not the bonded one. So what I'm about to say uh, may not apply to, you know, the bonded. It might perform better. But the the, the very first um, couple, the, the very first deer I shot with that, that 117 yards, this thing went down like like a lightning bolt. I'm not, not like a lightning bolt, but pretty damn close. Um the Shockwave bullet actually is made by Hornady. It is the Hornady SST bullet. It's 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 identical in construction. So it's a 45 caliber Hornady SST that that uh, uh, Thompson Center takes and rebadges <coughs> and charges a whole lot money more money for uh, for a 20 pack or whatever. And because uh, muzzleloader bullets aren't cheap for some reason, but um, anyway, and then they they repackage it and call it the Shockwave. Now this bullet has people that actually love it. And people say that have that have had very very bad experiences with it. I have had both. The very first time I shot that, that was that deer. It was a little bit longer away, like I said, 117 yards. And when I inspected, I actually hit it right through the liver. Um, perfect star shape. 
never recovered the bullet. It was a, you know, it went all the way through. Um, and, uh, I mean, the, the thing went down like within seconds, right? Um, super, super accurate bullet. This SST bullet that the shockwave is an incredibly accurate, um, muzzle loader bullet. That's why a lot of guys love it. Now, the problem with this bullet is some people say it blows up and some people say it pencils through and doesn't expand. Now, those are completely opposite ends of the spectrum of a bullet failure. I don't know how the hell that happens, but um, the failures that happen, people swear they either pencil through or they blow up and, and nothing happens. Now, my experience with it, the, the year after I shot that deer uh, that went down was I was sitting um, in a box blind. A doe came out going from my right to my left at about no more than 25, 30 yards. And I lined up, I shot, and I hit this deer in the shoulder, the left shoulder. The thing went down. I mean, it literally it knocked the deer down. And I'm like, yes. And obviously you can't get a quick follow-up shot with a muzzle loader. I mean, you just can't. So this thing went down. It started kicking and kicking I mean, in the snow. And after about five or six seconds, it got up, turned around, and ran back with a limping broken leg, dangling almost. In the, in the same direction that it had come. I couldn't believe it. I was just, I was heartbroken. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. This thing was literally down on its side, like motionless for a couple few seconds. And like I said, after like five, six seconds, it got up and ran the way it came. I tracked that thing probably, this was actually like on a Sunday and I had to actually drive home because it was like a three hour drive home. I probably shot that thing like mid afternoon. I, I, I probably trailed it for you know the, the rest of the day. Um, you know, into the dark. Not a single, single drop of blood. Not one. I definitely broke that thing's leg. It's probably a dead deer. Um, I felt terrible about it. I mean, absolutely terrible. When I got into, uh, you know, the, the trail that it had come down on, then I saw that it, the, the, all the deer trails there, they're scattered off into like eight or ten different other trails. And I tried to follow as many of them as I could. I could not find a single, single drop of blood. I followed each one for quite a ways to see maybe if the blood was slow. Um, you know, it took a while for the bleeding to start. Um, it was in snow. I should have been able to see it on the snow. I should have been able to see it on the on the leaves. Not a single drop of blood. I could not believe it. I mean, this deer literally got knocked down with a busted leg, and it ran off. Never found it. I was just I was so pissed. Hey, I didn't. I don't. You know, I, I wanted that deer. But two, you know, obviously, I, I you know, I, I didn't want to you know, injure the thing. You know what I mean? I didn't want to wound it. It was terrible. It was the first first deer, or the only deer, really, that I've ever lost. And um, I couldn't believe it. So that was with that Hornady bullet. And uh, then I started reading all the horror stories with, uh, uh, you know, people that, that had bad experiences with it. So I switched. I switched to uh, the Barnes uh, TEZ bullet, okay? Uh so the Barnes bullet, I'm going to tell you here. I'm going to pause this here, and I'm actually going to bring it up. Okay, so the bullet I'm using is a 250-grain Barnes uh, Spitfire TEZ. The TEZ is the easy load, uh, easy load, meaning it's easier to load um, into the barrel. The, uh, the, the Sabo that they use is actually not as thick as uh, some other ones. Um, I think it's a blue. It's a blue Sabo, so it's... It, it, it goes down the bore easy. You don't want it too loose. You don't want a bullet that goes, you know, plop all the way down that doesn't, that, you know, because then it won't seal. 
um, the, the sable is too loose in there, so it won't seal the gases behind it. We also don't want a bullet that's like really, really hard to ram down um, and uh, you know impossible to load. So uh, that easy, that 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 TEZ, the all copper bullet for me is, I mean, it that's that's like the bomb diggity. That's what I'm going to use. I'm not going to use anything else. Um, like I, I think I mentioned uh, before here, no, the recording cut off earlier, so I'm not sure if I already said this or not. But I've actually switched to uh, you know the copper bullet in uh, in my in my rifle too. I have a 30 out six uh, load that I have, and um, it's a 130 grain Barnes bullet as well. Again, the thing is like a lightning bolt, so um, I'm I'm, I'm kind of all over that. Now we're gonna um, I, I will do a, a reloading episode down. Or a couple episodes because uh, I do I do like to do that too. Haven't reloaded in a couple of years, but everything I er, anything I have, handguns, rifles, whatever, I reload for. So that'll be kind of good uh, good to do, you know, in the next you know winter months kind of thing. So, but uh, anyway, going back to this, that all copper bullet, not let me down. Um, it is just you know that's 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 the uh, that's that's the bomb diggity thing to use. That's what I'm going to use. So uh, go ahead and try some uh, you know try try some stuff. You know try try. Um, uh, you know what works for you, but it is almost as accurate, I think, as the um, uh, that TC Shockwave. But the results are uh, are so much better. So, anyway, so um, we've gone through talking about all the stuff. We've gone through, um, you know, the bullets and uh, the, the the powder, or at least the, the process and the how to and all that. Let's talk powders. Now, powders. Um, I, I mentioned, you know, we've got you know Pyrodex. Uh, and we've got triple uh, seven, and of course we've got like the you know actual black powder. But again, I'm not going to touch on the actual black powder because I don't use it, and uh, I don't want to give you guys false information. Uh, most guys using an inline are using some of the, you know the more modern quote unquote modern powders or the black powder substitutes like Pyrodex, like triple seven, and Blackhorn 209. Now BH 209 has kind of come on the scene in the last. I'm going to say I'm going to make it up here, but at least 10 years, let's say, right? Maybe about 10 years. Um, and the thing is damn near like a smokeless powder. Now, don't shoot a smokeless powder in a muzzle loader. Like I said, don't do that. But the the, the beauty of BH-209 is, is, is cleanup. Um, when you clean a muzzle loader, like I said, with hot soapy water or, uh, you know, I use um, uh, isopropyl alcohol, um, some of that crud and, 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 and the soot and the fouling and stuff can be hard to get off. BH-209 is is, inc is incredibly easy to clean up. You still get a little bit of that stuff in there, but it's incredibly easy to clean up. And the, the great part is it doesn't foul as much between shot to shot. So if you're getting, let's say, um, I don't know, two, three shots before it becomes really, really hard to load with, uh, let's say, triple seven powder, um, with BH-209, I can shoot. I don't know, I can shoot uh, seven, eight shots, nine shots sometimes. Uh, a lot of times it's just, you know, running one quick swab, you know, all the way through and, uh, you know, and, and continue shooting. So um, that, that BH-209, most people who have actually tried it, who, who are kind of into, let's say, muzzle loaders, have switched, um, or at least the inline muzzle loaders, have switched to using BH-209. It's a little more expensive than, than, the, other, than the other substitute powders, but... Um, honestly, if you're not shooting like a crap ton of this stuff all the time, and I'm not anymore either, um, that BH-209 is, uh, is, is, is kind of a bomb digging powder. That's, uh, that's the stuff to use. And you can definitely get more shots off, uh, more consistently using that than, than, than you can with the other stuff. Now, when we're measuring these powders, okay, um, 
like I said, we talked about we got a we got a powder measure, and the powder measure has graduations on there, and and powder, uh, muzzle loader powder, is measured by uh, grains uh, by by grains by volume. Okay, so let's say a, a standard load might be like a hundred grains by volume. So you would pour um, your loose powder into the powder measure. And you basically pour it up until the, you know it reaches the graduation where it says 100 grains, and that's supposed to be 100 grains. Now, the powder measure, I guess, make sure you're using the right one for that powder, okay? Because the one I have uh, does not work with with BH209. The graduations are all wrong. Now, BH209, there is a conversion. It's the only one you can do this with, and the conversion is like a 70% conversion, meaning. 100 grains by volume of BH209 is equivalent to 70 grains by weight. Okay, so it's like a 0.7 conversion. Meaning if I were to, um, on my, uh, my reloading scale, if I were to you know, pour out uh, enough powder so that it's 70 grains of powder by weight, and I were to pour that into a graduated tube, then that graduated tube should fill up the powder, they fill up with powder up until the 100 grain mark. Now, the powder measure that I have does not do that. 100 grains by, by volume, um, sorry, uh, 70, 70 grains by weight, when I measure it and I actually pour it into this powder measure, it actually only measures like, like 90 or 92 grains by volume. So if I didn't know that, and, um, and you know, I, I, obviously I'm not near like the high end of, of, uh, of the load. I think like, 120 grains or something like that. It's kind of pushing like really, really high, like really oomph load for a 250 grain bullet. Um, so I'm not even close to that. But if I were, then I'd be off. So if I'm thinking, let's say, you know, I have, uh, if, if I didn't measure, if I didn't measure it, and I had, uh, you know, I poured in 100 grains by volume, and I'm thinking I've got 100 grains by volume. Well, I've actually, I, I'm, I'm really not. I'm actually more. I'm, I'm actually probably in reality. More like a hundred and I don't know, I don't know, I didn't do the math on that one, but um, you know, 100, 105, 110 grains by volume. Let's say I'm actually hotter than than I think I am. So with BH209, I always weigh it. I pre, I, I weigh everything, and I just put them in um, those um, those muzzle loader tubes, those those pre you know pre measured tubes, and um, those are what I take with me. Right, they're they're capped. Um, I, I I do them you know I do them at home before I before I go. I have I have like three four of them ready to go. And um, I'll actually weigh that. Now you can't do that. Like I said, you cannot weigh uh, by 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 weight, uh, Pyrodex or or uh, or Triple uh, Seven or anything like this. Only works for BH two hundred nine. But with BH two hundred nine, it is the most accurate way to do it. It's just like weighing a rifle powder or a handgun powder, like any other smokeless powder, like you would when you're when you're reloading uh, smokeless cartridges. So um, I think Blackhorn does sell. A, uh, a graduated cylinder for BH209, I believe. But again, like any kind of reloading, whether it's for muzzle, and this is really reloading for a muzzle loader or anything else, start low, uh, start at you know whatever the manufacturer's like minimum recommend, recommended uh, charges. You don't want to go too low because you don't want, if, not, if it's not enough powder in there, then the bullet's going to get stuck in the bore and you may not notice it because it's still going to go bang and you may have think you missed your target, but you still got like a bullet stuck in the bore and then you you know then you go to load something else and there's an obstruction in there. It's it's hard to do that with um, with a muzzle loader because you're loading it from one end. You'll obviously notice that there's an obstruction, but um, that's a bigger problem with uh, with with rifles and handguns and things like that. But um, 
anyway, start at the minimum and uh, work your way up. Work your charges up, you know, I don't know, a few grains at a time, let's say, and see, see what works for you. I mean, people kill deer with 80 grains, uh, you know, 80 grains of powder with a 250-grain bullet. Um, and by the way, most bullet weights come in at 2, 250, and like 300, you know. I know there's heavier ones and stuff, but I think the most common one seems to be about 250 grains. That's what I shoot. Um, some people shoot the, you know, the 290 grain barns or the 300 grain, uh, you know, any, anything else. So, um, you know, but, you know, 250 grain bullet with approximately, uh, like 90 to hundred, uh, grains of, uh, of powder. It seems to be like a really, really nice load, uh, for, you know, across the board, you know, you know, you know, deer, deer distance shooting kind of thing. And you can fine tune your load up and down from there. So anyway, I just wanted to make that, um, uh, clarification with, with Blackhorn 209, uh, that is one that can absolutely be weighed, and that's what I do because then it gives me exactly the powder charge um, instead of guessing, uh, you know, if my powder measure is right. And that way, I don't even need a powder measure at that point. I can just pour it into any of those, you know, ungraduated, uh, you know, powder tubes, and I know that I have the right amount of powder in there. So um, that conversion, like I said, uh, only works for that with BH209, but it is like super duper awesome powder and um, I don't know if I mentioned this before too but you know when you get into muzzle loading and you kind of dip your toes into this you might you know you'll and, and you, let's say you do like you do like this you'll probably ditch those pellets um, the pellets uh, are kind of inconsistent they're good enough and I use them for the first couple of years they're good enough but honestly you get um, better burn more consistency um, better control of you know shot to shot uh, you know, accuracy with a loose powder, no matter what it is, whether it's uh, BH-209 or the other powders, uh, compared to just those pellets. The pellets are convenient, you know, I get it, but, um, you know, most people kind of move away from those things and actually go to loose powder. So anyway, um, I don't really have much else to uh, talk about with muzzleloaders, really. My muzzleloader season, like I said, will start probably end of November and go for the next couple of weeks. But uh, I'll probably be using my muzzle loader during the third week of firearm season that goes, which is basically the last week of November, basically, week and a half when I'm actually back home in Minnesota. Um, hopefully I'll be able to get out. Um, like I said, schedules are just absolutely crazy between my work and my wife's work and, and, and everything else going on. So um, I'm really, really limited on time. Um, so I'm going to try and get you know something done. But it's going to be nice to pick up the muzzle loader walk around with that thing. I really like that thing. Um, so, you know, if you thought about dabbling in one, go ahead, pick one up, play around with it. It's probably not something you want to pick one up like right now, but you can probably get some good deals on it after season. Um, you know, just like anything else after hunting season, you can probably pick up, uh, you know, good deals on all of, all of this kind of stuff, whether it's uh, used or new or, you know, somebody tried it, didn't like it. And that way you've got all basically almost, you know, the, the rest of the year to kind of, you know, futz around with this thing and actually shoot the thing and see if you like it. Because, again, there's a lot of idiosyncrasies with a muzzleloader that you don't have with a rifle. With most, most rifles, and I'm not saying you should do this because it drives me nuts too, but you can pretty much pick it up, you know, twiddle a couple, you know, dials um, on a scope and get and get dialed in with a certain load and, you know, be accurate enough, right? And that's what most people do. I don't condone that. Um, that's, to me, that's like the one weekend uh, a year hunter. But anyway... But with a muzzleloader, like I said, there's so many um, uh, things you need to do in a certain way, in a certain cadence, with a certain pressure, in a certain order. 
uh, that 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 leads to um, to, to accuracy. That uh, you know, it's almost it's almost like it's almost like shooting a bow or a traditional bow. You just got to do the same thing the same way over and over again, so that it's 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 repeatable and that you know when something you know is not right versus you know I I did everything in, you know in a certain order and um, you know and that's the way that, that it kind of works for you. So I hope I hope I made that that clear. So anyway, I'm not going to ramble on too much longer. Hope you guys are uh, seasons are going good. Uh, good luck if you're going to go out in uh, either firearm or muzzleloader season. And uh, remember to uh, please support the show. So go and um, leave ratings. Ratings are huge. Please share this on social media. I don't advertise anywhere. So uh, everything here, every, and everybody listens to this, is uh, 100% word of mouth. So if anybody goes and actually, you know, I'll share this, you know, tag me in it or, or what have you, more people that see it in you know, Instagram or you know, any of the Facebook groups or whatever, say, hey, I'm listening to a great, uh, great podcast, then that's great, greatly appreciated. So please do that. Leave a rating. Ratings are absolutely huge. Watch the YouTube channel. I got lots of videos on there. And um, and uh, go check out any of the t-shirts uh, at uh, uh, teespring.com. That's T-E-E-Spring.com slash Bowling Soul, which is the storefront. And I got some t-shirts on there too. So anyway, uh, that's it. I'm going to wrap this up and I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks.